Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning. Yo, we're going to try that again. Good morning. Awesome. Lucky seeing everybody again. Um, yeah, it's nice having a full house or close to a full house. So this morning, let me first introduce myself. For those who don't know me yet, my name is Andre Ferreine. That's uh, like me and Diavolt have been working together for, what is that, three, uh, four, five years? And this morning he asked me, how do I spell my surname again? <laughs> so <laughs> just call me Andre, don't worry about the surname. Um, I'm married to Mezen. We have three kids. Um, yeah, and I'm an assistant pastor at Shofar Johannesburg. Um, from this year on, I'll focus a bit more on the Santon side. And uh, we have Louis. Where's Louis? Wave. Louis is the assist, also assistant pastor. He'll focus a bit more on Randberg side. So if you have any small group questions, Go to him. If you want to join a small group, go to him after the service. He'll help you out. Okay. So I have this epic question that I've prepared for this morning that, uh, that will really engage us, you know, that will really set up the sermon. So uh, I'm very excited about my question. And I showed Philip my notes um, just after Melissa started talking because he hijacked my question. <laughs> it's amazing to see how the Holy Spirit works. But um, so my question is, why are you here this morning? The same what he asked. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So I quickly want you to take a moment and just be honest with yourself. Why are you here this morning? Is it because this is what you do? Or is it because something else? What is your motivation? And be honest, what did you think of before church? Why, this morning when you woke up, why did you want go to church? What, why are you here? Awesome. Mama Joyce has a brilliant answer. She always has. She's passionate about the God. So. Okay. So, today I want to look at the bigger picture. Today, sometimes we get so focused on what we're busy with, what we're wrestling with, what we are wondering about, what we're trusting for, what we're praying for, that we sometimes just lose focus of the bigger picture, of where everything fits in, of what's the most important things in our lives. We're going to look a little bit at that this morning, but I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to start. Let's pray. Father, I just come and thank you this morning that we can be here. Thank you, Father, that you are so good, that you love us, Father, even if when we didn't even know you, you loved us. You created us in our mother's womb. You created this world for your people that you created. And Father, we look forward this morning just to see you, Father, to hear you, Father, to hear your heart. 
Our desire, Father, is just to be changed according to your will. Father, so all the walls we have in our minds and in our hearts and that we have established and the way we relate to you, the way we do church, Father, we just come and lay all of that down, Father, and say, come and have your way, Father. Whatever you want to do today in our lives, Father, come and do it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as I mentioned, sometimes we can get a little bit distracted. Sometimes, even with theology, even with things of God, you know, going down the rabbit hole, and then you just focus on that. Um, I think for long, just a little bit of my story, I grew up in church. I was in Sunday school. I've, every Sunday, um, and I'm very thankful for that, but I never had a relationship with God. I learned about God, and there were sometimes in that growing up phase that I surrendered my life to God. But then the next day, I would not be surrendered to God. I, I would not want to change. I still lived for what I want, for my desires, my will, and not for God's will, not to be changed according to His will. And that's what I'm going to talk about a bit this morning. So let's start off with Genesis 2. And uh, this, I'm just going to tell the story quickly, so we're not going to read the scripture. So Genesis 2 God created Adam and Eve. And He created them because he, he wanted to create them. He's God. He wanted to create children that He can have a relationship with. People that He can spend time with. And we see in Genesis 3 that uh, Adam and Eve, after they sinned and did exact the one thing God said, don't do, they did. They sinned. And Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. So they know how it sounded like when God walks in the garden with them and they hit themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but yes, that'll be cool. Have you ever heard God walking in your garden? Walking through your house? Just that intimacy, knowing God like that. Yes, that sounds amazing to me. And then there was the tree of life in the garden. And God says, okay, I'm going to cast Adam and Eve out of the garden because further on, he knew the, what he's going to do. They needed to die to spend eternity with him. So then we have the Old Testament. And throughout the Old Testament, God is like, okay, I'm going to give you just 10 rules. Just follow the rules to please me. You know, the 10 commandments. It's just 10 rules. It's not even a million or not even a hundred. And we couldn't do it. We couldn't please God. And then God still as the Father is like, 
I want to spend time with you. I want to be your father. For each and every one of us, I created you in your mother's womb. Not for you just to be alive, be alive and be there. No, I created you because I want to be your father. I want to have a relationship with you. I created you that you need me. Like a car, it has a manual. God created us with a manual. I create you so that you need me. You can't do life without God. You can try whatever you want. Look at all the soapies. Look at all the... <sighs> Dr. Phil. All of those guys. You know, what he says today is not what he said 10 years ago. I laugh at <laughs> the one guy that does diets. I'm not going to say his name now, but <laughs> he's saying exactly the opposite as 10 years ago. But he wanted you to buy that book, and now you must buy this book as well. You know? You can try whatever you want. You are not going to find a better way to live than what God has created you to live. It's impossible. You can be a creative. Everybody can listen to you. You can be the flavor of the month. It's not going to last. 20 years later, what do you sit with? There's so many laws and rules and smart ideas that we come up with. But it just doesn't work. It looks good. It looks, wow, that's amazing. Let's do that. And then we all go with that flow. And then we realize, you're the damage we caused in the wake of this stupid thing we did. Just this doesn't work. There's only one way to have a fulfilled life. There's only one way to live, and that is in relationship with God. So we see the Old Testament. We couldn't follow the rules. And God is like, I want to be your father. So I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to read John 3, 17. If you can put it up for me, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then I'm going to go to the next scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God did not send Jesus just so that you can make it to heaven. God sent Jesus to reconcile us to him so that we can have relationship with the Father again. So many people call themselves Christians, and as long as I make it to heaven, I'm going to be okay. That's my goal in life. If I have to be honest, I don't think you're going to like heaven. Heaven is not airy-fairy, just we float around and be happy and sing songs. We're going to spend time 
Worshipping God. Ruling and reigning with God. That's what the Bible says in heaven. If you don't like having a relationship with God here, if you don't like doing God's will here, you're not going to like heaven. It's maybe the better choice of the two options you have for eternity. <laughs> but you're, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not suddenly going to worship God every day, the whole day when you come to heaven. If you don't like doing it now, if you don't love God, if you don't spend time with God here. Okay. So Jesus came to restore us to the Father. Jesus died for our sins on the cross because we couldn't do it on our own. There's no way, no smart idea could reconcile us to God. Only God could do it. God sent Jesus to die for us on the cross for our sins so that we can have a relationship with the Father again. And then Jesus went up to heaven and he says, don't worry, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Let's read John 14, 26. We see, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remem remembrance all that I have said to you. There's a lot of other scriptures as well where Jesus just said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to come and help you, to come and teach you God's ways. So the Holy Spirit is not for you. Just, yes, I've received the Holy Spirit, tick box. The Holy Spirit is there to help you to have a relationship with God. You cannot have a relationship with God without the help of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Jesus is wrong. And Jesus is God. Jesus is not wrong. Okay, so if you think that, you're wrong, not Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with God. So, okay. Jesus is our Savior. What happened at the cross? Jesus died for our sins. The way we are reconciled to God is we need to come to a place where we say, Jesus, I accept what you did for me at the cross. I know I can't do it myself. I'm a sinner. I can't reconcile myself to God. So I accept what you did. I accept that you are my Savior. You came to save me from death. Death is not having a relationship with God. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. So I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I died to myself, my own stupid will. And I'm going to follow you. Your will is more important than my will. And in the beginning and the rest of our lives, we're going to struggle with that. The devil is going to come and, no, but your will. What about you? What about your pride? What about what you want? What about this? But we need to come to a place where we say, Jesus, we're going to follow you in having a relationship with God. 
Okay, so we're following Jesus. We're doing His will. Can I get some head bobbing, some smiles? Okay. This is good news. You don't have to look so serious. <laughs> this is really good news. Jesus came to save you. You can have a relationship with the God. You have the Holy Spirit to help you. That is awesome news. Okay. So we see Jesus was on earth, and they asked Jesus at some point, what is the most important thing? What is the most important commandment? Now we're following Jesus, so this should be pretty important to us. And we're going to read Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. So this is the big picture. Okay. Everything depends on that two commandments. Okay. So basically Jesus says there, you must love God with all of your heart, all of your mind. But whoa. There's a second that goes with it. That is like it. You can't split it up. Okay. You must love people. The closer you get to God, God's heart is for other people. He wants to have relationship with every single person on this earth. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to desire that people get into relationship with God. The more you're going to love people. And if you love people like God loves people, then you want to help them to have relationship with God. Okay. Then, and I want to challenge us with that one. Can we put up the scripture again, please? Just look at that scripture. Do, do you believe that? If I have to look at your calendar, if you have to look at your calendar, does it show that? If I have to look at your finances, what does it show me? What does it show you? Is that most important to you in your life? And we can go on. If I look at your friends, if I look at your family, if I look at your work, if I look at everything you do, does it reflect what is most important? Okay. So we're going to move on. So Jesus discipled not just these 12 disciples. He had a lot more around him. Um, but then when he went up, he left them, we call it the Great Commission. Now imagine, you've spent three years with people, and now you're leaving. And you want to say to them, this I want you to do. Focus on this. So it's pretty important, right? Can I get a... Awesome. Okay, so let's read Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. The reason why you are here this morning is because his disciples, that 12, listened. They discipled other people who listened because somebody shared it with you. I am sharing it with you this morning. That is the first step in discipleship. Discipleship is just telling people what you know about God. Sharing what God has done in your life. How do you know Him? You do not have to be this very mature spiritual leader who knows the Bible back to front to, disciple, to start discipling somebody. And the nice thing is, God has given us a body of believers, this whole church, your small group, to help you. If I have to disciple Mama Joyce, then I bring her to small group. My whole small group speaking to her life. I bring her to church, the whole church. I bring her to my house for a braai, just meat. Okay. She loves meat. We get along well. And I introduce them to my friends, who's also Christian. That all of us disciple Mama Joyce. So it's not just this responsibility that you're going to disciple somebody for the rest of your life. There's a whole community to do that. And that's why we invited you to small groups. You need to be part of a community where you can give and receive. None of us are perfect. Not even his own. But close. <laughs> We all need people to speak into our lives. We need to be discipled. All of us. Okay. So, we're going to get practical with that. I love getting practical. That's that little paper on your chair. You probably already looked at it. Don't worry, we're not going to do it now. So, look at me quickly. Everybody look at me. Okay. Don't get too distracted now. We're going to come to that just now. But... I just want to mention to you, to start discipling somebody is just, I've taken one step. Just come with. Let me show you how to take this one step. I joined the small group. Hey, buddy. Come with. They're weird. Um, you'll fit in. I fit in. It's fine. You know? Okay. Or come to church. Or maybe it's somebody at your work. New person. There's a lot of new people at your work now that wants community, that needs people to love them. You can just tell them, hey, come on, bro. Because you love them. Just love them. Introduce them to people. Introduce them to your small group members, to people in church. That's how you can disciple somebody. It's not that difficult. Okay. You can, if there's somebody at work and maybe you're having debates about Christianity, invite the guy to small group, Ach, to Bible school. Bible school is starting in a fair, great place for somebody at debates the whole time and is not slotted into a community. Okay. You don't have to know the entire Bible school back to front. 
you can just invite them to the Bible school that's presented. Okay, cool. So I'm going to hand over to Philip. So what we've said now, we love God with everything. We love people. We're going to disciple people. God has called all of us to do that. That is following Jesus. Okay. You can't stop halfway. You can't stop at the first commandment because Jesus said, wait, there's a second like it. You can't split the two. So you can't decide you, stop, you follow Jesus halfway. Okay. And Philip, who's one of the leaders in church, he's one of the small group leaders, he's also one of the guys running share for us that we're having in two weeks. Um, he's going to share a little bit about his story and just how easy is it to take one step? Okay. Thank you. Good morning, guys. Um, like Andre already mentioned, my name is Philip. Um, if you guys don't know me, you'll get to know me a little bit throughout what I share now. But um, I think firstly... Today, I sort of feel a little bit like a sponsored post, okay? So, I am slightly promoting Share. That is the end of the, this month, so please come and join. Um, I won't be 30 seconds, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, please just, um, yeah, have a listen to what I have to say. So, last week, Henny shared an amazing sermon, and uh, throughout the sermon, just something popped up in my mind while it was sharing, and um, he specifically started his sermon with a portion uh, or something that Timothy Keller wrote. And he said that prayer is a conversation that God starts with everybody, and um, you are just pretty much joining into that conversation that he's already started with you. And um, yo, it really hit me, and I was just thinking, like, how, how does this conversation really start? Where, how, how do you fit in? Where do you get into this process of having this conversation with God? And um, yeah, I just really thought back to my story. And um, I think probably one of the biggest days in most people's lives, definitely my life, um, is the day I got saved. Um, and just thinking back of actually the first thing I did when I got saved was starting this conversation. Actually, that first prayer saying like, Jesus, I now surrender my life to you. And just how actually, how beautiful it is that, like, the story of prayer actually fits into your salvation story. Um, yeah, so that was just something that, that really hit me. And I, yeah, I really just want to encourage people to, to just, like, continue on that journey to, to chat with God. But I tried to think about what makes this conversation different than any other conversation. Because you can also chat with God before being saved. And he definitely chats with you before being saved. So what makes this specific prayer different than all of the other conversations you have with God? Um, and there were two things. Firstly, repentance. Um, not going to delve too deep into that. But the second one is surrender. Really in that conversation saying like, Jesus, okay, understand that you are really my Savior. And I'm not just going to have this chat with you anymore. I'm actually going to listen to what you have to say, and I'm going to let that change my life in some or other way, continuing forward. So that was just something that stood out for me. Secondly, um, I've shared the gospel with many people throughout my life. But um, I just wanted to show you guys practically how easy it can actually be 
to just share the gospel no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. So um, I really enjoy soccer. Um, and at university, um, I studied a lot, so I couldn't really party and soccer a lot. But every now and again, one of my friends would phone me and he's like, Philip, you need to come now. There's many girls. We need more guys. You need to come. Anyways, uh, there's this one friend. His name is Vimpy. If he gave the invitation, I never said no. No matter what time, whenever, what's ahead, if he invited, I went. Anyways, um, he also could sookie very well. So I knew it was going to be good. Anyway, so I went to the sookie. Um, it was a church sookie, but not the chauffeur sookie. I think it was a... I'm not actually sure which church sookie it was, but it was a church sookie. Um, went there, danced, so much fun, but... Like most men, like throughout a couple of sookies, you actually need to just take a breather, just like catch some air before you go back and try again and stuff like that. So I just went to go and stand outside, and here I found a security guard and uh, started chatting to him. And he was like, Philip, um, do you guys maybe have something for me to drink? I was like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, no, alcohol, beer, anything. I mean, there's a party, and I'm like this is slightly awkward, but there's no alcohol here. He's like, what? Like a student party without alcohol? Like, something's wrong. And you could see, like, it processing in his brain, in his mind, and he was like, oh, so you are church people? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, we are church people. Anyway, so he's like, wait, I, I actually have a question to ask you. Um, can you maybe help me? I've been, I've been really struggling with this question. And I was like, sure. Lay it on me. Let's see if I can help you. I mean, that's something that the Bible says. If people have questions for you, you must always be able to answer them. So I was like, lay it on me. I've been doing Bible school one at, um, in Shofar. I was like, I'm, I'm ready for this. Anyways, so he tells me, like, in Genesis, there's the scripture about the waters above and the waters below and many things. And I'm like, sure, okay, wait. <laughs> this is quite a hectic question. But I'm like... We, we, we heard it in Bible school. There's, um, like, it's, it's part of how God created the earth and the heavens. And, like, I can tell him about dinosaurs and how that fit, fits into the picture. So I'm excited, and I just, like, start rolling. And about three sentences in, I'm like, this guy has no clue where I am, what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, wait, let's retry this again. Um, tell me exactly what is your question. And he's like, if it rains, is that the waters from the heavens above. I'm like, no, 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 like, like, like water falls on the ground and it evaporates out of the sea and there's clouds and then they move and then it rains and it's like a circular system that you learn in school, sort of grade five, six years. He's like, nah, you are lying. That is not true whatsoever. I see when it rains on the ground, it goes into the ground. Like, it doesn't go up into the air. You are lying. And I'm like, man, uh, I'm not sure how to take it from here now. I'm like, oh, wait, I've got an idea. So at the back of the hall, there was like a kitchen that nobody was using. So I told him, like, dude, come with me. Found a kettle, switched on the kettle, took a plate, held the plate above the kettle, and, like, you could see the water evaporate, and it was forming, like, droplets and was falling down. He's like, no ways, no ways. Like, this cannot be true. I was like, yeah, that's how God created. That's rain, like... This is the circle. It's like, no ways. Is this how God created the earth? I was like, yes. And he was like, whoa. 
And then he started asking me questions about the earth being round and like the solar system. And I was pretty much great giving him like a grade six science lesson. And at the end of every single thing I shared, he was like, wow, is this how God created the earth? And I could say, yes. And at the end of that conversation, I used grade six science to lead a security guard to the Lord. Anyways, not going to continue the story. It was quite hectic from there on because I had to go and pick him up for church for the rest of my Stellenbosch career. But anyways, that is, that is the consequences of sharing the gospel. Um, and he lived in, uh, what's it, Kaimandi, Uklutisville. So it was, anyways. Um, so just maybe the third and last thing is just a little bit about my story. So I grew up in a Christian home. I'm not sh- exactly sure to which church my parents went, but some form of Afrikaans traditional church. But my mom was very set on reading me a Bible story every single night before I went to bed, or especially when I was little. Um, and I was a very competitive kid, like extremely competitive, not exactly sure why. Must be some daddy issues along the way, but anyways. Um, and I remember one evening, I was about eight years old, my mom was reading me a story, and in the story, I can't exactly remember the story, but there was this main character guy, and like, I was a smart kid. I could see this guy was going to give his life to Jesus at the end of the story. And I was like, oh, hell no. This guy's not giving his life to Jesus before me. So I stopped my mom in the middle of that story. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, she, and I was like, I need to give my life to Jesus now. She's like, no, 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 wait, like, wait, can I please not just finish the story? I was like, no, you will not finish the story. I'm giving my life to Jesus now. And uh, ach, it was a simple prayer like, Liebe Jesus, ek is klein, kom en maak my hartkeer rein. Um, like, English translation, I'm small, I'm fallible, come and save me, kind of thing. Anyways, prayed the prayer, gave my life to Jesus, and um, that was pretty much it. My mom continued the story. The guy did give his life to Jesus. I was like, score, one love for me. Anyways, oh, uh, one zero, tennis terminology, sorry. Um, anyway, so my life continued, primary school, high school, whatever, so I get to university, join Shofar, and um, they have this question, like assurance of salvation. Like, how do you know that you are truly saved? And sure, I had to like wrestle with that a bit. And like one evening, I was sitting in my flat, just like praying and having a chat with God. And um, he said, you remember that, that day in grade two, like when you were eight years old? Like, you maybe had no clue what you were doing. You did not understand the commitment, the severity of surrendering your your life. You had no clue. But on that day, we made a covenant, me and you. And even though you were not faithful, I will always remain faithful. And that was the day you got saved. And I think a lot of us tend to, like, overcomplicate this, like, salvation thing. We need to think that we need to be ready for something. We need to understand what we are doing. But really, God is like... That's all I need from you. One yes. Not even a completely committed yes. Just one yes. And, um, like, I think people tend to get very, um, like, caught up in, like, all of the bad things you need to go through when you get saved. Like, you need to surrender a lot of things and you need to lay your life down and stuff like that. Um, But there's also many, many great things. And I really don't want to, like, be, like be a spoiler alert kind of thing. 
But I just want to mention two things. Like, number one, eternal life. Like, guys, like, seriously, that's a thing. I think some of us have been saved so long that we forget the gift of eternal life. Um, my dad's in the hospital at the moment. And, um, like, seeing the other people in the hospital, realizing, like, they are really frightened because they don't know what happens. Like, eternal life is a thing. And secondly, a calling and a purpose. People, like, having God instruct you, like Andre mentioned, his plan is absolutely the best plan for your life. To just follow him and continue with that. So, yeah, that was it from me. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Philip. So, on the back of what Philip said, I want to invite each and every one of us to Encounter 5, 28th of Jan. Even if you have done it before, this is a great opportunity to say, hey, I've taken this step. Come with. I'll go with you. Invite somebody else with. And we're going to talk exactly what Philip said, what I'm sharing today. We're going to help you to share the gospel. Awesome. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can be here in your midst. Thank you that you share yourself, that you share Jesus, that you share the Holy Spirit with us, Father. Yes, thank you so much. We love you, Father. Father, help us this week to do your will, to please you, Father, to love you more and more, to love people more and more. Father, just thank you for this week. I pray your blessing over each and every person here. I pray, Father, that each and every person will hear your voice this week, will know your will. I pray for testimonies, Father. I pray that they will see people's lives changed, Father, as we go from here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.